0: Well hello and welcome to Kindred. It's so good to be with you. Uh, If we've not met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here and if this is your first time to worship with us, we're especially glad that you have joined us today. We want you to know that whatever your faith journey looks like, whatever your background is, you are welcome here and we hope that this worship service is inspiring you to take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Our scripture reading for today comes from Matthew uh, chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 27 through 30. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this, You have heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you that every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to fall into sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better that you lose a part of your body than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to fall into sin, chop it off and throw it away. It's better that you lose part of your body than that your whole body go into hell. This is uh, the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, today we are wrapping up our series on the seven deadly sins. And last but not least, today we're going to be talking about the sin of lust, the sin of lust. So just go ahead and embrace the awkwardness of listening to a pastor talk about lust for the next 25-ish minutes. It's awkward for me too. We'll get through it together. Now, I think if we were doing superlatives for the seven deadly sins, I would probably nominate lust for most likely to elicit an eye roll, Uh, most likely to elicit uh, an eye roll. Why? Because we are modern American people, and we might think, you know, isn't it just like the church to try to make us feel guilty about our perfectly natural desires? Isn't it just like the church to try to repress our sexuality? Isn't it just like the church to to try to turn us all into a a bunch of prudes? Uh, You know, what's, what's so bad about a little bit of lust? Now, clearly, our culture has long since moved on. Our culture has no scruples about lust. In fact, uh, we live in a culture that likes to lust. We like, to, we, we like lust in our TV shows, for example. I was scrolling through the HBO app uh, a week or two ago, and I came across this new show called uh, F-Boy Island. Maybe some of you have uh, have seen this. It's one of the latest dating reality shows, and uh, I didn't watch it for, for very long, uh, but I gather that, uh, that the whole point of this show is for us, the viewer, to lust for the contestants while we watch them lust for each other. Uh, maybe that's an extreme example. I think most of the time our shows have a, at least a little bit of a plot behind all of the, the lust. Um, shout out to the Bridgerton fans, right? There's, there's a plot there. There's a plot there. Um, how boring would it be for us to watch a show that didn't have any lust. Uh, We like lust in our TV shows. We also like lust in our books. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the the best-selling book over the last decade was Fifty Shades of Grey, and it wasn't even close. Uh, And the number two and the number three bestsellers for the past decade were just the other two books in the Fifty Shades uh, trilogy, and it wasn't even close. Uh, We like lust in our commercials, in our ads. You know, advertisers know that if they throw a little bit of lust in the commercial, we're more likely to watch until the end. I could go on and on with examples uh, of this, but uh, I I won't. The the point is we live in a culture that likes to lust. And and a lot of times it seems pretty harmless to us and and all of it seems pretty normal. We're kind of used to it. And so when we hear that Christians down through the centuries have named lust as one of the seven deadly sins. When we hear that Christians down through the centuries have identified lust as one of those things that can most often keep us from loving God and loving others and loving ourselves in the way that God wants for us, when we hear that, it can be really tempting for us to just give that a big old eye roll and for us to write all of that off as just being hopelessly outdated and and completely irrelevant to modern people like us. The problem is, the problem is Jesus. Uh, Jesus won't simply let us enjoy our lust in peace. Uh, What a Debbie Downer, right? What a party pooper. Uh, In fact, in this passage that we just read, Jesus gives us this very strict warning against lust. Uh, Let's review this really quickly so that we're all on the same uh, page. Here's how it, it goes down. Jesus gives us this warning in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, Uh, This is the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached. And uh, hundreds, if not thousands of people have have crowded around to to hear this sermon. And and it starts out really inspiring. At the beginning of the sermon, Jesus is talking about love and he's talking about social justice and he's telling us how we can reflect the love of God into the world and, and all of that sounds good. And then about a fourth of the way through this sermon, that's when Jesus drops this warning on us about lust. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. Uh, when Jesus says that, he's actually quoting from the Ten Commandments. Don't commit adultery is the seventh of the Ten Commandments. This is in the the Old Testament. Uh, adultery, on a literal level, it means uh, that that you know, and don't committing not not committing adultery means on a literal level uh, that if you're married, uh, don't sleep with somebody who's not your spouse, uh, and if you're not married, uh, don't sleep with someone who is. Someone else's spouse. That's, that's what it literally means. So Jesus says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Everybody who's listening is like nodding along. Yes, Jesus, we, we've heard that. Ten commandments. Got it. You know, don't, don't be a homewrecker. Uh, you can look, but you can't touch, that, that kind of thing. And Jesus says, but, but wait, but wait, there's more. He says, but I say to you that every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. I think when Jesus said that, people in the crowd were like, whoa, hang on there, Jesus. That escalated quickly. I mean, how do we go from like adultery is bad to, to like even the desire is bad? I mean, how can a desire be that bad? Bad. I mean, Jesus, did you misspeak here? Did you overstate this? Don't you want to like walk this back or or give a little nuance uh, here? But but apparently Jesus didn't misspeak. He didn't want to walk it back. Jesus stands firm on this warning against lust. Now it seems to me that we have two options for for what to do with this. On the one hand, uh, we could write Jesus off as being a, a repressive, outdated, old prude, uh, or or we could trust. That Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. We could trust that Jesus really does have our best interests at heart. We could hear Jesus out and, and try to understand what does He mean by lust? And why does Jesus seem to think it's so dangerous for us when we tend to think it's it's pretty harmless? Now, if you're watching this uh, or listening today and and you're not a Christian or you're not sure what you believe, maybe somebody in your family is a Christian and they're making you watch this or, or listen to this or something like that, uh, you can feel free to take option number one. You can write Jesus off. You're not on the hook for for any of this uh, at all. I would encourage you to listen to Jesus because I think he's got some some wise words uh, for us here, uh, but, but for those of us who are committed followers of Jesus, we don't get option one. We can't write Jesus off. We we need to hear him out. We need to try to understand uh, what is Jesus saying to us uh, here. And and really, whether you're a Christian or or not a Christian or or whatever, uh, there's an insight for us within what Jesus says here that can make a big difference in our lives. It can make our hearts healthier. It can make our lives uh, healthier. So I want to spend a few minutes with you unpacking what Jesus says, and I hope I've convinced you to to stay tuned uh, here. And maybe the place to begin, as we begin to unpack what Jesus says, maybe the place to begin is to, to clear up what Jesus is not saying. Because unfortunately, uh, Jesus' teaching on lust has sometimes been misunderstood, it's, it's been misapplied, and, and that's uh, done some damage in, in different people's lives. So, so let me start by, by pointing out this. When Jesus warns us against lust, uh, Jesus is not saying that sex is bad. And Jesus is not even saying that attraction, that our attraction to to other people is is bad. And, and here's why I want to emphasize that. I know that uh, some of you grew up in churches that were all about purity culture. Uh, some of you grew up in churches that put so much emphasis on staying pure until marriage and they created all this guilt and judgment and, and shame uh, uh, around saving yourself until marriage that, that maybe the message that you internalized was that sex is bad uh, and that even your attraction to other people is is bad uh, for those of you that are uh, that identify as, as LGBTQ um, you may have been told that that for you sex is especially bad and, and that for you, attraction to other people is is especially bad. Sadly, the the church has a long history of creating a lot of guilt and and judgment and shame uh, around sexuality. And if any of that has been your experience of church, uh, I'm so sorry for that. And and I just want to be clear that uh, Jesus is not saying sex is bad. Jesus is not saying attraction is bad. The the, the true biblical perspective on this is that actually in the right context, sex is good. Uh, Sex is actually a, a gift from God to us. In fact, you, you may not have thought about it this way before, but God is the one who actually invented sex. Uh, God designed us human beings with the ability to to share that kind of intimate physical connection with, uh, with one another. God designed us as human beings to, to be attracted to one another. Why? Because when we have sex in the, the right context, that can deepen our love for another person. It can enrich our relationship with uh, another person. And it's good that we're uh, attracted to other people. None of us would exist if humans weren't attracted to, to other humans. You know, it's a good thing that our parents, at least at one point, were attracted to each other, right? We don't want to think about it that that much, but but we can be thankful uh, that, it, that it happened, right? Uh, So uh, again, the the point here is that Jesus is not saying that sex is bad. Jesus is not even saying that attraction uh, is bad. I want to be clear uh, about that. However, having said that, with all that uh, in mind, I also want to be clear that that doesn't mean that anything goes in regard to our sexuality. Uh, Just because sex is a good gift from God... In the right context, that doesn't mean that we're free to use our sexuality any way that we might feel. Um, you know, so, sometimes I'll hear people say, uh, God doesn't care what you do in the bedroom. Or people will say, God doesn't care who you go to bed with, or, or God doesn't care uh, what you do sexually. But, but according to Jesus, that, that's just simply not true. According to Jesus, God does care. Uh, and, and that's because God cares about you. And not just part of you, not just part of your life, but, but God cares about all of you. To, to paraphrase a line from the John Legend song, uh, all of God loves all of you. All of God loves all of you and your sexuality and, and what you do with that is Part of you. You know, your sexuality and, and what you do with it uh, has a, a powerful effect on your heart and on your life and on your, your relationships and how you relate to, uh, to other people. And, and God just loves you too much. God loves me too much to just simply not care uh, about that. And, and here's what God knows, and I think this is so important, so don't miss this. Uh, when we misuse our sexuality, the consequences can be devastating. Right, they can be devastating for us. The consequences can be devastating for for others. It's not that sex and attraction are are, are bad in and of themselves; they're, they're not, as we've said, but they can become really, really destructive. I mean, just think about some of the things that happen when our sexuality gets misused. There's there's broken relationships, broken trust. There's heartbreak and pain and and suffering. Uh, there's Horrible evils like sexual harassment and, and sexual abuse and even things like human trafficking and prostitution and, and things like pornography addiction. I mean, the, the list just goes on and on and on. And, and so w- without guidance, without boundaries, uh, our sexuality can, can do lots of damage to us and, and to others a- as well. And it's for that reason, because God cares so deeply about us that God gives us guidance around sex. God gives us boundaries around how we express our sexuality, not to be repressive or restrictive or anything like that, but but simply to keep us from, from misusing our sexuality. Now, in today's sermon, we don't have time to go into all of the, the guidance that God gives us about sex, and we don't have time to explore all of the different boundaries that God puts a, around our, our sexuality. But, but for today, uh, I simply want to point out that when Jesus warns us against lust, it falls into that category. Jesus is saying that lust is out of bounds for us as, as Christians. Lust is, is out of bounds. So with all that in mind... Keeping in mind that sex is, in the right context, a good gift from God. And at the same time that there are boundaries around our our sexuality. Keeping that in mind. Let's go back to this question of why would Jesus warn us so strongly against lust? Why would Jesus try to make it so clear that lust is out of bounds. And, and here's the main thing that I want us to see today. If I lost you along the way up to this point, check back in for, for this part. If you remember nothing else from this sermon, uh, please remember this. Jesus warns us against lust because lust makes us less loving. Lust makes us less loving. And this is what I mean by that. When Jesus says lust, again, he's not talking about sex. He's not talking about attraction. When Jesus says lust, he's talking about objectification. That that lust is when we objectify someone that we're attracted to. In other words, lust is when we see another person as a tool for our own gratification. When we see another person as, as an instrument of our own Pleasure When we see another person through the lens of, of how we can use them sexually, that's lust. Why is that bad? Why is that bad? Well, because human beings are not objects, right? Human beings are not tools. Human beings are not instruments. Human beings are not to be used. And so when we lust for somebody, whether we realize it or not, what we're actually doing is, is we're dehumanizing that person. We're treating that person as less than human. And I think you can see why Jesus would have a problem with that. In this passage, Jesus uses the specific example of a man looking lustfully at a woman, What's the problem with that? That The problem with that is not that the man noticed that this woman is attractive. That's not the problem. The problem is not that the man feels himself attracted to this this woman. That The problem is that apparently this man is objectifying this woman. He doesn't actually care about her. He doesn't love her. His his concern is, is not ultimately with her. His concern is for himself. He just wants to use her for himself to satisfy himself. That's the problem. That's... Lust, You know, as Christians, we believe that all people are made in the image of God, including people that we're attracted to. We believe that all people are beloved children of God, including people that we're attracted to. We believe that Jesus calls us to love all people the way that Jesus loves us, including the people that we're attracted to. And, and there's no way that we can love others as Jesus loves us while we're objectifying them, if we're focused on using them, if we're dehumanizing them in that way. And so you can see why lust is uh, not just bad, why lust is is a sin, because if we're objectifying people in that way, we can't love God, we can't love others, we can't love ourselves in the way that God wants uh, for us. Lust is is harmful to us in our hearts. It, It leads us to treat other people Harmfully, all of this keeps us from from living the life that God wants for us, and the more that we objectify others sexually, the the, the easier it becomes to objectify to, to, to objectify people in in other parts of our lives, right, and and in other ways uh, as well. And so, all of this is why lust makes us less loving. Lust makes us less loving. So the question is. Uh, what do we do with that practically? What do we do uh, with the lust that sometimes pops up in our hearts and in uh, in our lives? I think that the people that Jesus was originally preaching this message to had that very same question because Jesus actually addresses this here in the, the passage. Jesus says, uh, if your right eye causes you to fall into sin, he says, tear it out and throw it away. It is better, he says, it is better that you lose a part of your body than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Yikes. Uh, But he goes on. He says, if your right hand causes you to fall into sin, chop it off and throw it away. It is better that you lose part of your body than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Uh, now, is Jesus saying here that if you ever lust, you're going to burn in hell forever? No, that is not what Jesus is saying. In fact, uh, scholars even debate about what specifically Jesus means by that word hell. Uh, it is almost certainly not what you and I think of today as uh, uh, as hell. And is Jesus saying that we literally need to start chopping off our, our body parts? Probably not. Probably not. What Jesus is saying is, is that when it comes to lust, we need to cut it out. It's a figure of speech, right? We we need to cut lust out of our lives when we identify it. So meaning we can ask ourselves these these kinds of questions. Uh, Are there specific places, like physical, geographical places, are there places that when we go there, we often find ourselves falling into lust? If we can identify those places, then we can try to cut those out of our lives. We can create some healthy distance from those places um, or uh, people. If there's a specific person or a specific group of people that when, the, when we're around them, we, we constantly find ourselves falling into lust, well, we can try to cut that out. We can try to create some some healthy distance and, and some boundaries uh, there. Um, I think a great place to start with this is for us to, to simply focus on Cutting out the ways that we are lusting on purpose. Uh, this kind of relates to what we talked about in the, the sermon on anger several weeks ago. You know, we talked about the importance of, of not being angry on purpose. Uh, similar with with lust. You know, this is going to look different for, for each of us. Uh, but but we can think about things like you know, is there a particular show? Is there a particular movie that we just need to say, like, I can't watch that anymore because it's is not good for my heart. It leads me to objectify people, and that's not good. Uh, maybe there's a, a book or a genre of books that we need to say, I, I can't read that anymore. It It's not good for my heart. It, it leads me to objectify uh, other people. I don't know what that might look like uh, for you in, in your life. Uh, but but I will say this. Uh, I will say this, and um, this sermon is probably already awkward. It's about to get more awkward, and I'm going to get in your business for for a second, um, and I apologize uh, for that. But I, I think this is important to to name here uh, for all of us who are committed to to following in the way of, of Jesus. Uh, I think it's safe to say that that pornography is one of these things we need to cut out of uh, our lives. I think uh, pornography is, is something that we need to uh, avoid. And as I say that, I know um, pornography usage is more widespread in our culture than ever. It's, it's becoming more and more a, a normal part of, uh, of our culture. Uh, and I promise I'm not here to, to shame anybody or, or judge anybody or anything like that. And of course, it's a free country and, and you can do whatever you want, uh, but, but, but just think about it. Think about it. Uh, Pornography is like the textbook definition of lusting on purpose, right? I mean, the the, the whole purpose of of looking at pornography is is to objectify someone or or some people uh, for our own pleasure, right? When when we look at pornography, uh, we're we're not... uh, concerned with that person. We don't have a sense of love for that person. When we look at pornography where we're not seeing a, a child of God or children of God made in, in God's image. No we're, we're using that person. Are we using their their image for our own gratification and, and from a Christian perspective uh, that, that's dehumanizing. Uh, even if it's all consenting uh, adults and, and legally it's, it's fine. still from a, a Christian perspective it's, it's dehumanizing. And plus, as I said before, you know, the more we get in the habit of, of objectifying others uh, sexually, the, the easier it becomes for us to objectify people in other ways, in other parts of our lives uh, as as well. So I know this is countercultural in many ways, and I probably sound like your grandma or, or whatever, uh, but but really for your own sake um, and for the sake of others, and for so many reasons that we don't even have time to talk about today as your pastor, I just, I feel com- compelled to, to strongly encourage you uh, to avoid pornography. Now, I'll also say that uh, pornography addiction is very, very real. And pornography addiction affects a ton of people. And if you're in a place where you want to stop looking at porn, but, but you can't, um, there are resources that can help. And I would encourage you to seek those resources out. If you need help getting connected to those resources, uh, feel free to send me uh, an email. We can keep it confidential. Uh, n- no shame uh, about it, but um, I would encourage you to, to get the help you need if you. If you need it again, just pastorally, I feel uh, obligated to to tell you that that uh, I think that as as Christians, um, uh, one implication of what Jesus teaches us here is that we ought to avoid pornography and and cut it out of our lives. Whoo! Okay, you made it through uh, almost all the way through this uh, this awkward sermon, and, and I made it through uh, as as well. Uh, I want to make one final point here that is not at all uh, awkward. And that is that, you know, I don't know what kind of feelings have surfaced as we've been talking about this. Um, You know, I know that the the things we've been talking about today are uh, sensitive and and emotional for for so many different reasons. I don't know what you're feeling. Um, but, But I want to remind you at the end here of the power of God's forgiveness And the power of God's grace. I know that some of you have been taught somewhere along your journey that sexual sins are the worst kind of sins. And some of you have been taught that that sexual sins are unforgivable sins. And so I I just want to remind you that there is no such thing as a sin that is unforgivable. You know, the, the scandal of the cross is that the God of the universe loves you so much. The God of the universe loves me so much that in Jesus, uh, God laid down his life for you and me to, to free us, to forgive us of our sin. Not just some of our sin, not just certain kinds of our sin, but, but all of it. God, God forgives all of it and God wants to heal us from, from all of it. Uh, and so if you're somebody who is feeling uh, guilt and, and shame and, and judgment, just remember that God's grace is for you. God's grace is for you. Remember what we said the very first week of this sermon series. We we, we talked about God loves sinners. God is head over heels in love with sinners. And what that means for you and me is that God is going to keep on loving us. And God is going to keep on forgiving us. And God is going to keep on transforming us until our hearts are completely healed, until our lives are completely healed. That's God's promise to us. And so our call is, is to keep leaning into that grace uh, together and, and as best we can to keep striving, to keep working to, to live as fully as we can the, the lives that God created us for. That's what this whole sermon series has been about. It's about uh, checking our hearts, checking our lives, trying to resist and, and root out those things that are getting in our way so that we can live the lives that God created us to live. So let's pray together now. Oh, gracious and loving God, merciful God, we, we thank you for your unconditional love for us, God. We, we thank you that uh, despite the fact that we often fall short, despite the fact that uh, we get so many things wrong, that, that we so often tend to rebel from you and, and ignore your guidance, Lord, nevertheless, your love for us remains steadfast. Uh, God, uh, we, we live in a culture. Um, that you well know, uh, likes to lust, Lord. And and we confess that so often lust really doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It often seems very harmless uh, to us. And so we're kind of taken aback when you give us this strong warning and this strong boundary uh, around lust, God. But we know that you're not okay with objectification. Uh, that, that there's no way that we can love in the way that you call us to if we're objectifying others, God. So guard our hearts uh, against that. Lord, when we identify those ways that we're lusting in our lives, God, uh, give us the, the wisdom to, to turn away from that. Whatever that means for, for each one of us, Lord, help us to, to turn away from those harmful practices and, and habits that, uh, that, that only pull our hearts uh, astray. God, uh, forgive us in those ways we need forgiveness. Heal us in those ways that we need healing. And we pray all of this in the name of the one who lived and died and rose again to save us from our sin. Amen. Well, friends, uh, real quickly here before we go, uh, if you're new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you. And if you'll just click the connect link in the description below, leave me your contact information. I'd love to reach out to you later this week to say, hey. Um, Also, if you are local, we would love to see you in in in-person worship. I know that online worship is great in a lot of ways. It's convenient and you can do it on the go and and all of that, but there's no substitute for getting in a room with other believers and and giving God your your undivided uh, attention in that way. Uh, So to get all the details, about in-person worship uh, go to our website it's kindrednc.church and finally as always uh, check out the announcements link in the description and uh, that'll keep you up to speed on all the ways that you can get involved with our community if and when you are ready uh, to do so. So with that friends uh, remember that we love you we hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Listeners This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website, as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.